0: Reading this morning will be taken from the book of Luke, the fifth chapter, beginning with the first verse. While the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting to one of the boats of which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat." And when he had ceased speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered to, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great shoal of fishes. And as their nets were breaking, they beckoned to the partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished all that were with him at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. Henceforth he will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Lord God, help us this morning to understand something of the commitment that Peter made should be something of ours. A leaky boat and worn out nest. Beloved, I cannot think of a more destitute and poverty-stricken situation than what confronted the Lord Jesus Christ as he walked here beside the Sea of Galilee. I think most of us know it by the Sea of Galilee. That sea has about four or five names within the Scriptures, but it's one and the same. This body of water was some eight miles wide and perhaps some 13 miles long, and around that lake lived perhaps 100,000 people or more. But this scene that Jesus comes on to here that we have within our scripture is one that uh, to appreciate it you will have to consider the condition of those people in that day. You know these people considered uh, this sea as their main source of food. They did not have refrigerators and grocery stores around the corner if you could not get it one place well, you could go somewhere else and be able to secure your meal for the day. They did not have anything to back up a meal with another meal. It meant that if they were not able to get the fish that they depended upon each day, they would come out in the morning to receive their supply of food. That meant that they would have to go a little hungry that day. They would have to tighten their belts up a little tighter. It could have been a real disappointing situation, and that's exactly what it was because they did not know where they were going to get another meal or something to substitute for this meal that they thought they were going to have but uh, the people that they depended on to supply their food they had failed that night to be able to bring in a catch Uh, these people i am quite sure stood around in little groups Uh, they did not rush off to go somewhere else to secure their food supply i'm quite sure they stood around talking about the situation and visiting with one another and I can think of these men that had been out working all night too, how terrible they must have felt. Uh, they were tired and worn out because their life too depended upon the catch and it was a hard, difficult work. It was a backbreaking situation. Those of us who know something about this type of fishing can tell you firsthand, uh, now that's really work. It's a cold work and it's hard work. Many of us fish for sport, but we're talking about two different situations now where men toil and labor for their livelihood in this business of fishing and how bad they must have felt, those who had been fishing all night and had not caught anything. And their only hope was that they could patch up the old boat and the nets and be ready for another night because the night would surely come and they needed to be ready for it. And so they prepared their boat and their nets for another night and this is a situation that Jesus came to and this is what he was able to see. Now, beloved, if you had been with the Lord Jesus Christ that day and he had talked it over with you what he really had in mind and what he intended to do, and if he had shared with you the fact that he wanted to build the kingdom of God here upon the earth and he was searching for men to be able to lead and to carry out this responsibility in the name of God, and he had shared this with you, What would you have told him and advised him if he told you now, I'm going to go down the shore here and I'm going to find a boat and some men and the nets are worn out and the boat is leaky and and it's in bad repair and these men have hardly been able to keep body and soul together and they depend day by day upon what they're able to do in order to take care of their food supply. I wonder what we'd advise the Lord Jesus Christ, but we have told him, now look, Lord, you must be out of your mind if you're going down there and talk to that group of men about building the kingdom of God. Well, they haven't got judgment enough to hold body and soul together. Think about the situation. They're not able to make it now. How do you expect them to do the thing that you're expecting them to do? To actually... Formulate and build the kingdom of God here upon this earth? What do you mean that you're selecting people now and you're going to them to make a selection of the people that's going to carry on after God takes you back to heaven? You must be out of your mind. Let's go somewhere else and find somebody that's more successful and more capable and more learned, and we'll talk to them. But thank God Jesus didn't have the experts to tell him, you know, and so he just kept on walking. Now, you might question the situation whether or not Jesus knew what he was doing. Do you think the Lord Jesus Christ knew exactly where this boat was and these men? Or was it just by chance that the Lord Jesus Christ happened to come by that day and find them in this predicament? Are there something of the wisdom of God involved here that Jesus knew precisely where they were and he knew exactly the mess that they would be in? And he knew exactly from the beginning of time, the day and the hour that he would be at that place. As Peter tells us later in his gospel, he says, before the foundation of the world was landed, blows my mind, before the foundation of the world was landed, God had you in mind. Why, it wasn't by chance at all. He knew exactly where he was and what he was doing. And he went to this group of men to talk to them about the love of God. And Jesus saw their confusion and their disappointment, both them and the people around them. The sheep without a shepherd. What a pitiful situation it was. What was the commitment of the Lord Jesus Christ coming into this world? The commitment of the Lord Jesus Christ was to redeem man and to spend his time proclaiming the word of the living God. Now, beloved, where should we stand? What should be our priority? Where do we come in this situation that we see that our Savior was tied up in? What is our responsibility? Do we have any compassion upon those people that live around about us that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ and wanderer to and fro as these people of long ago? Or do we turn them off? I had a little fellow to come to me. It's a sad situation. I've had this happen to me about three times in the last year. This little fellow came to me and says, Preacher, I'm really scared. I'm really scared. I said, What are you afraid of? And he says, I'm afraid that my daddy's going to hurt my mother. And he says, I want to come to church, but they won't get up and bring me to church. Now we can say, well, that's someone else's kid. Don't bother me with it. And we can say of those two parents, they're making the greatest mistake of their life right now, but they don't know it. But they are. And we can write them off of being indifferent. Or we can look at this situation for what it really is and have the love and the compassion of God in our heart. And we can see just as Jesus went to these people of long ago, sort of an ungodly bunch to say the least, and talk to them about the kingdom of God. Beloved, I tell you, those of us who name the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and call him our Savior, and secondly, our Lord. Our Lord. We better see where he placed the emphasis, and we had better be found standing there, or he'll find another instrument to carry his gospel besides the church, or our church. Got to be. Let us clear up our thinking what the priorities really are. Let us see that we are committed to the same place that Christ was, and when we see the great multitude that do not know Christ as their Savior and Lord, it is our responsibility and duty, somehow, someway in the name of God, to reach them. Now, Peter had already beached the boat. Fishing was over for the night. He was finished. The sun was up. He was tidying up the place and patching his nets as he told us in another place, cleaning up the old boat. And now he was ready to go home and go to bed and sleep a while. But the Lord came by. But the Lord came by. Oh, how many times in the scripture that saves the day. There has been a failure and a war shot, But the Lord. But the Lord. Same thing right here. As though the Lord says to Peter, Peter, push your boat out a little from the shore. Notice where the emphasis is placed first here. Put your boat out, Peter, a little from the shore. Want to use it. Now, here's one time that Peter didn't object. I don't know why. It's interesting. Because every other time the Lord asked him to do something, he seems always objecting to it. But here, he didn't object to it. He could have said, Lord, look, I've got the thing pulled out on the beach here. Lord, I'm tired and worn out. Don't bother me. Use something else. But the Lord asked for the boat. The old leaky smelly thing. It wasn't worth anything too much anyway, because it walked away and left the thing doesn't say they sold it. They just went off and left. It wasn't worth too much, I take it. And it says Peter went into action. And the Lord got in the old boat and he pushed her out a little ways in the water. And it said the Lord talked to the people. Taught them. Told them about God's love. And now when the exhortation was over, and the people had been told about God's love. Beloved, I think there's one thing that we ought to see clearly too. Let us not apologize to any man, anywhere, any place about what we put first in our church. We put first a proclamation of the gospel of God telling people about the love of God. We put that first above everything else. That is the only excuse that we have to be in existence here. We may be cutting the grass, we may be playing ball, we may be doing something else, or we may be in a Sunday school class, but whatever we're doing, wherever we're found, there's one override that rides above everything else, what we have in the back of our mind, we're doing. We're trying to communicate the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have about 200, you hear me say this all the time, youngsters in this church here, several days a week. Well, now we're interested in young mothers being able to get away from home and and go make a doctor appointment, go to the grocery and do these things, but that's not the real reason we're in business. We're not in business to make money, though it's nothing wrong with making money, but we're not in the business to make money. We're not in the business necessarily to be good citizens or anything else good. We're in the business to tell and to teach these little ones about God and his kingdom and the church. And if that's not what we're doing, let's close it and get on with the business. Of something else. That's why we're here. To make those little ones to have an experience about the church. Regardless of what church they go to. When they go to it. That they will have a wonderful feeling toward the church. Oh to God that I would had such a feeling toward the church. When I was a kid. It sort of bothers me sometime when the state tells me that they have to license what we're doing around here, especially on Mother's Day out. We can't be in business. I want to tell those good people, God love you, but you must understand that before this country was ever discovered, the church was in business to do good for the Lord. If there's anyone that we operate under And whose command we follow. Let us be clear. Let us be clear. It is not the mandate of a state. Or the country. It is a mandate of a living God. And we are here simply because we say that we believe that he is our Savior and our Lord. And here's where we are found. And this is why we do what we do. The way that we do it. Peter went into action. And now after it's over, and the Lord has stated the cause of God, now he says to Peter, Peter, let's move out into the deep. Now listen to that word. Move out into the deep. What did God have in mind? What did Jesus have in mind? He could have caught the fish right there if he wanted to have. Move out into the deep. Let's go out where the deep water is. Now Peter... He begins to object. Now look, Lord, I fished all night long. There's no fish to be had, and he could well have said, "It's not even convenient at the right time to fish. You fish at night this way, not in the daytime. You're not much of a fisherman, Lord." Now I'm tired and worn out. Now just let us be. You go on about your business. We're going about ours. Peter, move the boat out into the deep. And Peter says, well, in the fact that I don't believe what you're saying, but because you said I'm going to do it. And he moves out to the deep. And you know this story from your youth up. My, what a message, though. Don't you get caught in the story and not see what the Lord was trying to say to this man. Peter caught it, you see. And when he let down the nets, he caught fish like he had never caught before. The point being, He was acting upon what Jesus told him to do. It did not make sense to this man. It didn't make any sense at all. It's the wrong time. It's not convenient. And you're going about it wrong. But Jesus said, do it. And so I'm going to do it. And what happened? Now it says that the writer took time out to make an editorial comment. He said, when Peter saw what happened, listen to this. Here it is. When Peter saw, you've got to understand that Peter knew the Lord Jesus Christ before this. It wasn't the first meeting, not at all. That when Peter saw this and realized with what was taking place, this miraculous thing that came about, he was caught up in the activity of the living Christ. And that's when he had an opportunity to get to the shore. What did he do? He fell on his face in front of the Lord Jesus Christ and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. And in fact, I I repent. I repent for doubting or whatever else he has in mind. I don't know what he had in mind. But one thing I want to say to you in closing is this. You look at the situation. It was in the situation and the situation alone two things were known completely and totally. Number one, Peter realized who he was. He knew who he was and he was adrift a little bit. He knew that he needed to get back completely and totally with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a field. Because he could not see and trust Jesus to do what was being done. Secondly, he came to an experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. I take it that's the only way it could happen. At this moment, he knew who Jesus was. Beloved, I guess that is so, is it not? That when we come in these positions where we put ourselves into action to do something for God and for his kingdom, though it's difficult and though it's hard, and it's painful and calls for sacrifice Long labor after you're already tired and worn out Is there anything left over for God? Beloved, I would tell you that this happens It happened then and I have been a witness to it in my own life and lives of other people You see, some people will tell you that you take on an extra burden When you take on the Lord Jesus Christ and make a commitment with him I'll tell you that is not so Jesus tried to say that come unto me all ye that labor and heavy laden so forth and so on when you take on a burden for the Lord Jesus Christ it ceases to be a burden it makes everything else fit together do you see what Peter discovered here it's not something extra after I have labored all night but it makes it worth the effort it all fits together Lord we have been told this have we not that you only have one source, really, of strength. Only one, not two, not three. Only one. And that being the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, you may feel that the only thing that you have to offer to the Lord Jesus Christ is an old smelly boat. Just about that. To no more. A leaky one at that. Not worth anything. And all you have to offer to him is some old worn-out nets that haven't even kept you alive, much less, how could I make it serve the Lord? But you just remember that if the Lord is calling for that leaky boat and that worn-out net and you offer it to him, you just remember, just remember, that he is going to take care of what he wants to take care of, and that's you. And if that is offered to him, you can just rest assured That not only will his need be supplied, but yours as well. But yours as well. So much so that you can beckon to your friend to come over and to share with me in the goodness of God. Don't you have more to offer to God than a leaky, smelly boat and some worn out nets? We do. Our Father, help us this morning that we might be able to see something of the beautiful relationship that we have with one another and with the Lord Jesus Christ, and help us to be able to see that it is today that the Lord calls. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.